campers, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We will get to our mystery in a moment. But first, let's talk about what Ohio Mysteries has going on. As you know, we release episodes that coincide with the Acker Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. We recently released a two-parter with them on June 29th and June 30th. Please be sure to check out the story we did on Tommy Summericks and Ruth Guthrie. Also, I want to thank all of our supporters. If you would like to continue to see us grow, please make sure you hit the subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. The best way to support us is to share our podcast with friends and family. Thank you for all of our supporters. And now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. It's time for a new mystery. your co-host Steve Yoder and with us as always is our storyteller and journalist who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss. Hi everybody. A few skin cells on a rope found in Utah. An amateur sleuth in California flipping through new photos on a national database. And a DNA cheek swab from a girl in Mexico. And voila, a f- cut. And voila, a 24-year-old missing persons case from Youngstown is solved, and the police name her suspected killer. Tonight's story started in 1998 and just reached its conclusion last week. It's an amazing demonstration of the ways new forensic technology and collaborative databases are solving the coldest cases. So follow along as we unweave this tragic tale that started in 1998. That's when 38-year-old Lena Reyes Geddes decided to leave her home in the Youngstown suburb of Austintown for a trip to Dallas and then Mexico to visit her family. Lena was born in a small town in Mexico, but she had big dreams. She was an accomplished ballet dancer and earned a degree in international business. Back home, her humble family saw her as their shining star. In 1996, she met a businessman, Edward Geddes, in New Mexico. They dated for six months. Then they married and moved to Austintown, just west of Youngstown. Geddes was an older man with a shock of white hair and a white mustache and beard. Lena was 36 the day she got married, a pretty lady with shoulder-length brown hair, brown eyes, and freckles. Two years after settling into their Northeast Ohio home, Lena made plans to visit her family, starting in Dallas and ending in Mexico. But she never made it. After five months passed with no word from her, her aunt in Mexico called authorities in Youngstown to report her missing. Oddly, her husband, Edward, had never raised the alarm about her absence. In October of 98, Youngstown detectives sat her husband down for an interview. Geddes said the morning of April 8th, Around 6.45 a.m., he packed Lena's car with her luggage, and they set out for the airport in Pittsburgh. 
He described her luggage in detail, including how she carried with her a sleeping bag that was meant as a gift for her little cousin Paco. At the terminal for departing flights, at the door for U.S. Air, he kissed her goodbye and drove away. He said he never saw her again. What Youngstown detectives didn't know was that while they were trying to solve this mystery from April of 1998, another agency across the country was trying to solve their own mystery from that same month. It was April the 20th when a woman was found in Utah along State Route 276 near Maidenwater Spring in Garfield County. It was just a two-lane highway in the middle of nowhere, but some passers-by spotted an unusual bundle on the brown parched land and got curious. They pulled over, fumbled with it, and discovered a body inside. Someone had tried desperately to hide their victim. She was covered in plastic bags, then wrapped in duct tape, tied with rope, then placed inside a sleeping bag, and then wrapped in a carpet. She had been shot in the head, and her fingertips were cut off, ending any hope of identifying her by her fingerprints. The Garfield County Sheriff and the Utah State Bureau of Investigation spent two years actively trying to figure out who she was. But DNA was in its infancy back then. They really needed someone to come forward and claim her, but nobody did. The case went cold, but detectives never stopped trying. In 2001, the county sheriff put out a video titled, Please Help, Who Am I? The Maiden Water Mystery. It included a drawing of how the dead woman would have appeared in life and pictures of the items that were found with her. Nobody recognized her. Over the years, the department continually tried testing the evidence they had, even subjecting hair follicles to those isotope processes that can sometimes tell you where a victim came from. Nothing conclusive was found. After 20 years, in 2018, Utah authorities thought to heck with the squeamish. They were prepared to release the actual photo of the dead woman's face, since the drawings hadn't helped at all. They asked media to run the photo. Half the outlets declined, but some were willing. And here's where the craziest coincidence caused the first big break in this story. You see, DNA isn't the only thing solving cold cases these days. A lot of unsolved homicides and disappearances have benefited from collaboration and from the Internet and national databases that publicize photos and details for everyone to see. There are a lot of amateur sleuths out there, people who voluntarily pour over these databases, trying to match pictures of missing people with details about unclaimed bodies. Well, within five days of Utah releasing the actual photo of the dead woman's face, Youngstown police updated Lena's missing persons file on the database called NamUs. 
A Youngstown detective reviewing that case had made it his mission to find a photo of Lena because they had no picture on file. He was finally able to obtain one from Homeland Security, and it was just a stroke of luck that he uploaded that picture just as Utah was releasing their photo. That's when one of those amateur sleuths, a woman in California, compared the new additions that popped up in this database. And they thought, these two women look an awful lot alike. They even had the same mole on the right ear. Utah authorities were very excited about possibly having a name for their Jane Doe, which they had been calling the Maidenwater victim. Now they just needed to confirm it. Utah and Ohio worked together, putting out requests to the public, including using media in Mexico and Texas, asking for family members willing to give DNA for a comparison. Within a week of this request, the Youngstown Police Department got a voicemail. It was Lucero Reyes, who was 11 years old when her big sister disappeared 20 years earlier. Lucera was at first very nervous about sharing her DNA. She came from a tiny town in Mexico, and she just didn't understand how it all worked. But after some coaxing, she and another family member agreed to travel 300 miles to the nearest U.S. consulate in Monterey, Mexico. They volunteered cheek swabs, and it was enough to confirm Lena's identity. Lucero then traveled to Utah to claim her sister's remains from the unmarked grave she had been in all those years and return her sister to their hometown in Mexico. This isn't the way I wanted you to come home, she said. But finding Lena was only half the battle. There was still the question of who had killed her. Now, before she was identified, Utah police had a strong suspect in the murder of their maiden water victim. They were taking a hard look at serial killer Scott Kimball. He had killed at least four people, three of whom were found in remote areas of Colorado and Utah. And he's still suspected in numerous other unsolved murders. There was even a Dateline NBC program that listed the mysterious victim in Utah as one of his possible victims. The similarities were undeniable, especially how Kimball would wrap his victims and his ability to tie complex knots, like the knot in the rope that had tied Lena. Kimball had also confessed to killing a hitchhiker in 98 or 99. He said he was on his way to a family reunion, and the location he gave turned out to be just 10 miles from where Lena's body had been found in 98. To make things even more curious, Kimball's former wife and son both said they saw Kimball purchase a rug similar to the one used to wrap Lena's body. But after the maiden water victim was revealed to be Lena, there was another suspect to consider. The man who never reported her missing, even after a five-month absence, her husband, Edward Geddes. 
Unfortunately, authorities didn't have the chance to interview Geddes again, because back in 2001, that was the same year Utah put out that video about their Jane Doe, Geddes shot and killed himself while in Nevada. Then he was cremated. Utah State Police said they are now confident he was the one who killed Lena. And this is why. DNA technology has been improving incredibly to the point that even a few skin cells can identify their owner. The processes use what one detective described as a type of wet vacuum that pulls DNA out of porous items, like the rope that was used to tie up Lena. Investigators had actually tried to do this before, but the tests only yielded Lena's DNA. They did not give up. Recently, they tried again. And this time, the process collected 117 nanograms of DNA. Nanograms, that's pretty tiny, but it was still 116 more than they needed because you only need one nanogram to get a DNA profile. Now, in order to compare that profile to Lena's husband, who had been cremated, remember, they had to get the cooperation of his family. And two family members came forward and gave their DNA willingly. It matched. There was an interesting little twist at this point because a second man's DNA was found on that rope. Now this meant they had to go to another lab that specialized in unmixing DNA. The process had to separate the nanograms of cells from Geddes from the nanograms of cells from the second man. So who in the heck was the second man? Well, they put it into a national CODIS database and found out it belonged to an investigator, a man who Utah had used as a not expert. He had accidentally contaminated the rope. But luckily, science sorted it all out. And after ruling out the rope expert and Lena's DNA, the only DNA left on that rope belonged to Geddes. So we still have the mystery of how Lena got to Utah. We still don't know. It's just a guess. But investigators say it's likely that Geddes killed his wife in Ohio, maybe at their Austin town home then wrapped up her body, including using the sleeping bag she had meant as a present for her cousin. Then he drove her the 1,800 miles to that remote site in Utah, maybe because he had no connection with the state and it would distance him from any theory if she were to be found there. The resolution to this story brought closure to a lot of people that have been trying to solve their respective mysteries for decades. You had the Youngstown cops wondering where Lena Reyes Geddes went. You got the family in Mexico missing their niece and sister. You've got the Utah authorities who had never stopped trying to figure out the identity of the woman who had been found on the side of their highway. Brian Davis an agent with the Utah Department of Public Safety, said he was most happy to give an answer to Lucero, who had grown up not knowing what happened to her big sister. 
You can imagine what that family's gone through, Davis said. To have this answer finally after 24 years is incredible. Of course, there will be no legal resolution to this case. Edward Geddes, after all, can't be prosecuted. But police said they are confident Lena's family, who had always pointed the finger at Geddes, was right when they insisted he had done something to her. They just had to wait for forensic technology to catch up. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, share our podcast everywhere. We are currently trying to reach our goal of being the number one podcast on killerpodcasts.com, which we currently hold the second most listened podcast there. I know you can help us get there. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home.